Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Mr. John Partington, the national leader of the Assemblies of God, we had a great day with him yesterday and I'm so privileged he's here, so blessed that he gives up his time to come and be with us this morning. He's a great man of God. Please come and take take the mic. And if you've got your Bibles, turn with me please to a very short reading. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 54, Sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cried aloud. You who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and you'll expand to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations. You'll make desolate cities inhabited. So do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. And you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood any more. It's very, very rare that I say this to a congregation, but what I'm going to share is not for everybody in this room. Usually when you preach, you want it to be for everybody, and I suppose I would want what I say to be for everybody, but it won't be. In fact, once you've answered this question, if you answer it negatively then really you can lay your head back and have a little sleep or you can count how many squares there are, you know, or count, I don't know what you'll do, but you can switch off. Because what I want to share this morning only relates to those people who really want to be used by God. I want to talk to you about the type of person that God uses. So if you say, hey, I'd like to be one of those people, then this is for you. But if it is that you say, oh, well, you know, I'm just here. No, I'm not really interested in that. That's, that's okay. That's okay. Just put your feet up and take relaxation. I've got a friend. His name is Bill Hill. Funny name, Bill. I've got another mate called Dave Cave. I don't know what rounds with Sebastian. I don't know. But Bill Hill, he, he's, he's a great friend of mine. He's down in Exeter. And uh, I was once asking him the, the question, you know, well, how, how do you know when you're ready to be used by God in some great way? And he said, oh, it's like this, John. Gave me an answer. He said, you go out and you buy a bag of marbles. And you put a load of marbles in your pocket. And then every day... You take one marble out and you throw it as far as you can. And then, when you have thrown away and lost your last marble, then you're ready to be used by God. When you have lost all of your marbles. (laughs) Of course, Bill Hill is a funny man and he was 100% incorrect. For actually, living for Jesus is not something for those who have lost their marbles. It's for those who are absolutely in their right mind and want to enjoy this life with purpose and with destiny and to do as Jesus said, live an abundant lifestyle to the full. 
If you want to get the most out of your life, then I suggest you tune in and say, God, today, over this induction weekend, like never ever before, I want to be the type of person that you can use. I read of a church leader in the States. And he wrote to the 100 largest churches in America to find out why they were growing. And I'm sure deep down you would want this church to grow. So he wrote to the biggest ones, all the big churches, and he asked them, what is it that distinguishes you as a church that's growing so rapidly? (coughs) And you know, the answers he got back were very, very interesting, but it had nothing at all to do with the denomination that they belong to. Now, I'm glad that this church belongs to the Fellowship of Assemblies of God. We're a family group of churches of about 600 in this nation. And uh, I'm wanting to pull even more together for us to realize we're stronger together. Our little strap lines talk about us being apostolically led, relationally connected, and missionally focused, outward focusing. And in May every year, we have our conference, an annual conference. It used to be just for leaders. This year, as last year, it's happening just down the road in Peterborough at the, is it King's Community Church or King's, Kingsgate, Kingsgate Church, Dave Smith's church there in Peterborough. And uh, if you haven't yet booked in and, uh, and your pastor wants you to go or allows you to go, then please come along to those three or four days that we have in May. It'll be great. Um, you'll have to get in quick because I think there's about a hundred places left. That's all. It's, it's quite fantastic. We'll be packed out. 1,200 people will be there. Uh, and that's in May. But there are some places left. You can get on the website and you can book in today if you want to be a part of that conference. But it has nothing at all to do with the denomination as to why churches grow. It has nothing at all to do with the style of worship. See, in our, Churches, very often it's somebody with a guitar or a keyboard uh, and we have the overhead projector uh, and we have some uh, good-looking singers that bop away or we have a, a worship leader that lets it, you know. But sometimes it can just be... Because it doesn't need to be the kind of church that we are. And it's got nothing to do with the style of worship. We were pastors of a church of just uh, about 5,000 over in Australia. And I tell you, we had, uh, I mean, it was just packed with talent, wasn't it? Great, great worship, great, great musicians. Fantastic. But that in itself was not the key to why churches grew. Nothing to do with the style of worship, whether it was Pentecostal or not. Nothing to do whether the preaching was too short or too long. Hmm, that's interesting. Are you a long preacher or a short preacher? I bet you're long, aren't you? Is he a long or short? You need to shorten it. You've got to be very, very, very good to go past 40 minutes, let me tell you. <laughs> um, the, the, the one thing, the one thing that identified churches that grew was what I call the faith factor. The congregations and the leaders were not afraid to believe God for big things. It was the faith element that did it. Uh, The dynamic of believing for the impossible. 
The dynamic of seeing those things that are not yet as actually being a reality. It's what I call the faith factor that was present in every one of those churches. That shouldn't surprise us. Because the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7, we're reminded to remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you in less than 40 minutes. Oh no, it doesn't say that. Who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way and imitate their faith. It is the faith element that really, really counts. And for this church to move to the next level, you're absolutely right. It's not to do with a whole load of plans and programs that might be got from some other church or some other organization. It's raising up a people that are not afraid to believe God for the impossible. To have a dynamic that says, hey, this is good, but actually this is a bit small. It's a bit small for where God wants to take you. Because this is only a step towards what God has got for you as a church and as a leadership and as pastors of the church. So what are a couple of the things that I think you need in order to be a person that God uses? Number one, God uses the person who has a dream and has a goal. Nothing starts happening until someone starts dreaming. I want to say, and I want to say to Phil, dream a big dream. It would be very easy to get cozy and comfy in these walls because it's such a delightful and beautiful place. But if this is what it's about, Cambridge will never be won. The nations will not be reached. So I want you today to dedicate yourself to dreaming a big dream. Because, you see, this is the promise of God to you. That he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything that you would ask or think. And what I'm saying over Phil and Emma, I say to you as well, that every single one of us needs to have a dream. One day, you know, when Disney World was opened in uh, Florida, then uh, Walt Disney had, had died a few months early, actually. He wasn't there for the opening. It was either the Florida one or, or the other one. And two of the directors of Walt Disney were walking around uh, on that open day. It was packed out with people and uh, uh, they were all there enjoying it. And one director said to the other one, Oh, what a great day. If only Walt Disney had lived to see this day. The other one turned to him and said, He did. And that's why we are here today. You see, leaders and congregations that dream a dream are always dreaming something bigger and greater than they've ever, ever experienced before. And they prepare themselves to be candidates to be used by the Lord. I want to say something to you. There's only one thing you're not really able to delegate. Delegate as much as you can. I'm a great delegator. If it can be delegated, I delegate it. But I can't delegate the dream that God has given me. I can't delegate my faith. I don't very often talk about Andreen because she's a, a, well, certainly in this setting, she's a quiet lady at home. She's a, I'm the quiet one and she's, she's more the loud one. But she, she's a, a quiet kind of person. 
If I asked her to come and speak up here, she would die a death. She, she's not a public speaker. She never goes on the platform. She doesn't, she doesn't like that. She's far happier in the kitchen or doing things behind the scenes. Always has been. And I've never put a, a pressure on her to be anything. Never put anything on your, your partner. Don't put things on your partners that aren't for them. Allow God to develop. You know. And so, um, although Andrew's very quiet... She came to me. We were pastoring in Liverpool. Have I mentioned that that's the greatest football team <laughs> in the world? We were, we were pastoring in Liverpool, and she came to me one day, and she said, uh, I've got a dream. Well, you know, I can't remember. Oh, yeah. I said, what is it? She said, well, see, we were in the inner city of Liverpool. Our church. Oh, dear. I wish I had time to talk about our church in Liverpool. It had barbed wire around it. We had to employ a secular security firm to guard us when we met on a Sunday. So the person that met you at the door wasn't a Christian. It was a big burly. This is true, isn't it, Andrean? The houses next door to where our church was, we were in the inner, inner city in Chinatown. It was where God had told us to go. It was, I loved it, but you had to be... But you have to be brave to even go there. It's true. The houses, they had bars at the windows and the doors. This is true. Uh, I mean, it was quite... Every single week, and Andrew will tell me off if I exaggerate, every week there was cars that were broken into. Every week, if you came to our church. Even though we had the security guards, there was the break-ins of the cars. It, it, uh, it started out in a nightclub, our church did in, in Liverpool. Imagine that. Fantastic. I had a church in a nightclub. I had a go-go cage. I had people come that didn't know what a go-cage was, and I'd say, go up there. And they'd be up there preaching, and then I'd press a button and little lights would come on. It, it, it had mirrors all around it at angles. It was wonderful. I used to say, who wants to give their life to the Lord? Will you put your hand up? One person would put the hand up. I'd go, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Because of the Lord. I remember, we didn't have to teach people to dance. Oh no. People got dancing before the Lord when we sang our choruses. I'll tell you why. Because rats used to run around the congregation. <laughs> Is that true, Andrew? It's absolutely the truth. One day I was looking down there, I saw this great big rat. Praise <laughs> him. It was really, it was really marvelous. We, we pioneered it from scratch. And it grew and it grew and it was, it was a very, very exciting time. Then, and Andrew comes, she said, I've got a dream. What's the dream? She said, well, there's a lot of single mums. I'd like to do something for them with baby clothes or baby equipment. Uh, and they can come and they can uh, get stuff free or they can buy stuff very, very cheaply. And all this kind of stuff. So I said, oh, you do what you want. So it was... It was a big building. It was 50,000 square feet. Do you know how big that is? That's big. Yeah, five floors of 10,000 each. So if you can imagine this room, twice the size of this room would be the ground floor. Twice the size. And we had five floors of that. So it was big, wasn't it? She says, I want to start. Where do you want to start? So I want to start in the corner of the downstairs because we, we met on the first floor like you do here. So she started in a room about like that. Would it have been Andrine? 
and somebody gave a, an old, uh, well, a pram or something like that, or somebody else gave a, something else, you know, and she started with a few clothes. People started to come in, and it grew. And then somebody got to hear about it, and they said, we'd like to go into partnership with you. And before we knew what was happening, I could not believe it. Imagine a room twice the size of this filled with baby equipment. It was the biggest baby equipment store in the whole of the Northwest. At one stage, is it true? I I can't remember. I think she had 18 different potties. (laughs) There was one potty you sat on and it played a tune. (laughs) Unbelievable. How many prams were there there? Lots and lots and lots. It provided tens of thousands of pounds worth of income into the church because of the partnership that we ended into. And it served the purpose of thousands of people in Merseyside, particularly those that were poor and particularly those. And it all started with a dream. We moved from Liverpool. We went to Exeter. We'd only been there a very little while. And she says, John, I've had a dream. Another one? You had a dream last night, but I don't know what that one was about. <laughs> what did it say? I think we ought to have a cafe at the church. I said, well, yeah. She says, don't worry. She started with our kettle. I went to make a cup of tea. The kettle had gone. It was down the church. I went to get a bit of toast. My toaster had gone. Did you know, she started out with that. It then turned into a cafe. Then we started doing conferencing. Do you know how many conferences we had in the last year that we were pastoring in Exeter? In one year? This is true. She's there. 365. An average of one a day. Some days there would be three or four conferences. A conference would be five people or 50 people or 150 people. So it was different. It brought in tens of thousands of pounds to the kingdom of God. Because this little, quiet, shy not really so shy, lady had a dream. What's your dream? What's your dream? What's your dream? Because there's an evangelistic ministry upon you that is absolutely fantastic. What I said to them, I'd say to you, dream it bigger. The person that God uses is a person that realizes that God is able to do for us even more than we could ask or dream according to what Ephesians 3 says, I was sitting on the front row of a meeting once and my little boy, he used to be a terror. He was probably just like you. (laughs) Probably worse than you. And I was there and he nudged me. He should have been listening to the preacher, but he wasn't. He was bored. Probably because the preacher went for more than 40 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And he says, Dad, Dad, can I have your watch? It was, a, it was a nice, it wasn't, it was, it was a lovely watch. And I looked at him, I thought he should be listening. But he's my son. And he was about seven years of age. And this was an adult, nice watch. I thought, you, geez, got a lot of his mother's cheeky ways. I said, wait, 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 wait. He said, can I have your watch, Dad? So I took my watch off and I gave it to him. 
And while the, he wasn't preaching actually, I was, I was the preacher, so I was due on a bit later. He was convening the meeting. I turned to my son and I said, son, the watch is yours. Because I love you. I remember talking to him. I said, I love you, son. I said, and because you've asked me, I'm going to give it you. Look after that watch. He's still got it. No, in error, he's probably flogged it. <laughs> I said, but I want you to remember something. Your heavenly father is far greater than your dad. And he will give good gifts to you if you're prepared to ask. You have not, the Bible says, because you ask not. You don't ask. So Phil, ask big. Ask much. Ask, ask, ask. Not just your natural dad, but your heavenly father. Because I want to tell you something. He's so for you. He's so for you that he wants to give you good gifts within the Holy Spirit and otherwise. God uses the person that has a dream and has a goal. So dream big and ask big and have big goals. The second little thing is this, that God uses the person who is willing to risk failure. Do you know, I've had a lot of failures in my life. A lot of things haven't worked out. Uh, but there again, I looked into the Bible and do you know what I found? Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer and Jacob was a liar. Leah was, well, she was ugly. I hope there's nobody called Leah here. If there is, that is just a... Joseph was abused and Moses had a stutter, stutter, he had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid and Samson had long hair and he was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David had an affair and he was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal and Isaiah preached naked. Jonah ran from God and Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt and John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Christ and the disciples fell asleep whilst praying. Martha worried about everything. Mary Magdalene, well, most of you will know about Mary Magdalene. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once and Zacchaeus, he was too small. Paul was too religious and Zacchaeus, well, <laughs> he was dead. Every person in the Bible was a failure. Everyone in the Bible missed the mark. In fact, they were a little bit like you and a little bit like me. But God takes people like you and me who want to be used by him and are prepared to give our all to him. In Acts chapter 15, it says that they risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Don't be a status quo Christian. Do you know what status quo is Latin for? It means the mess we're in. <laughs> and status quo is, well, that's just a mess. I don't want to be a status quo leader. I don't want to be a status quo Christian. I don't want you to be status quo pastors in this house. I don't want this to be a status quo Assemblies of God Church. I want you to believe God and be determined that what it is, hey, we're going to risk some stuff. And if it doesn't work everything, so what? We're having a go. I'd rather be in the company of people that are prepared to have a go and sometimes it missed the mark than people that never ever do anything because they are afraid. Oh, I'd like to talk to you a lot about failure, but my time is nearly gone. And I've got two more things I want to say here. You can get the, the series on defeating the giants if you want to know about failure and how to defeat it. 
But the third thing is this, that God uses the person that expects to be used. You've got to believe in yourselves. I kind of sowed that seed into you last night as we were having a curry. Boy, wasn't it a nice curry? We had a nice curry last night. But you've got to expect to be used, and so have you. Don't think it's just for the people out on the platform. God's hand is upon you if you said at the start of this meeting, hey, I want to be used by God, then expect to be used by him. If you think you're beaten, then you are. If you think that you dare not, you don't. If you'd like to win but think you can't, it's almost certain you won't. If you think that you'll lose, then you've lost. For out of the world we find that success begins with a person's will. It all begins in the state of their mind. If you think you're outclassed, then you are. You've got to think high to rise. You've got to be sure of yourself before you can ever win a prize. Because life's battles don't always go to the strongest or fastest man. But sooner or later the man who wins is the man who thinks that he can. And I want you to think winning. I want you to realize that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I want you to realize that God has raised you up for such a time as this. And this is a prophetic word into the life of the church and into the life of you. Whereby you rise up and say, hey, my steps have been ordered by the Lord. I might not have planned it quite like this, but you, yes, you've said it many times. Even before I was in my mother's womb, had a plan and a destiny for me. And now by God's grace, I'm going to walk it. And because of that... I expect to see blessing. Do you know, I know this, so don't anybody confirm it to me at the end of the meeting. John, you was right about that bit that you said. That. Just don't say it. I know I'm not the best preacher in the world. I know that I'm not the best communicator in the world. In fact, Pete is a very, very good communicator of the word, the, the, the previous pastor. So I, I know that I'm not the best. But wherever I go, Whichever church, whichever country, I'm just daft enough to believe that the God that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. And so therefore, I expect to see blessing. I believe for the miraculous. And so I don't need... If you're going to give him a clap, give him a clap. He's worthy of praise. Hallelujah. And so the difference very often I find between me and my peers is that they kind of, they'll preach better than me, they'll, more statesmen, they won't spill their curry down them, or anything like, you know, they're just very, very nice people. But I've just got one of these simple faiths that believe, hey, if God is for me, who can be against me? Hallelujah. He wants me, he wants me to be used, he wants me to be blessed. And I want that element of faith to be in with you, where you by expect to be used. And expect God to bring people into your life that will help you in the ministry that you've got. You've already got people alongside you. And just as you've got people alongside you, you'll have people come alongside you. It's absolutely wonderful. could say so much more. Um, you know, I, got, I wrote this down, so I might as well read it to you. I thought it was good. If you cripple a man, you might have a Sir Walter Scott, because he was crippled. If you lock a man up in a prison cell, you could have a John Bunyan. Bury him in snows of Valley Forge and you have a George Washington. Raise him in object 
poverty and you have an Abraham Lincoln. Subject him to bitter religious prejudice and you have a Disraeli. Strike him down with infantile paralysis and he becomes Franklin D. Roosevelt. Burn him so severely in a school fire that the doctors say that he'll never walk again. And you can have a Glenn Cunningham who set the world's record in 1934 for running a mile in 4 minutes and 6.7 seconds. Definite genius composer. And you've got a Ludwig van Beethoven. Have him or her born black in a society filled with racial discrimination. And you have a Booker T. Washington, a Harriet Tubin, a Marian Anderson, a George Washington Carver, or a Martin Luther King Jr. Call him a slow learner retarded, write him off as an educatable, and you have an Albert Einstein. Oh, I want to say that I don't care what your past, I don't care what your upbringing, you are in this place with purpose today to become a part of a church that's going to move even from this day forward into something greater and better than you've ever known before. And you'd better start believing in the God that believes in you. Believe in yourself and believe that God is going to add people to you to accomplish all that God has got. And so I draw it to a close by saying that God never, ever, He always uses the person that never, ever gives up. Longevity counts for something. We've got the kind of the pastor that bought this building here today. Uh, It was his birthday a couple of days ago. And uh, what I'm sure he won't mind me saying, I think, what was it, 80, was it 88? 88 years of age. That speaks volumes. That's a man with longevity. That's a man that wasn't in it for the short haul, but saw things through right up to today and right up to the end, who's going to receive one day the words of a saviour well done. Hmm. Why don't we give him a round of applause? And his wife, and his wife. I stand here as someone that's not so young myself, but a lot younger than you, and I honour you today for your service. In this place, longevity really, really does count. There's a lot of whippersnappers that are coming up. I, I always fight for the youth. I, I, I like letting the youth go. But the trouble is with youth, they haven't got the experience and the wisdom so often of the older. And many of them that start out well finish poorly. It's not about starting well. It's about finishing well. And I want to say never, no, never, ever give up. And so welcome to this great boxing tournament today. And in the right-hand corner, we have the born-again Christian. Can we have some round of applause for him, please? And in the left corner, the person that is, I suppose, hated by many in this place. But it is the devil himself. I said it's the devil! Fighting the Christian! And so it is, seconds away, round one. And the Christian comes out. Hey, watch out, because that devil, he fights nasty. Boom! And the Christian goes down. And the referee begins to count. But as he begins to count, we're going to hear some cheers from the crowd who support the Christian and love the Lord to encourage him to get up. He's down, and the ref begins to count. One! Two, three, 
Oh! And, and, and hearing the, the support of the Christian up gets the Christian again. He's not down and out. He's going to carry on fighting. Hallelujah. So he carries on fighting. He's fighting the enemy. But watch out for that devil. He fights absolutely dead. Foof! And he's down again, the Christian is. And the ref begins to count. One. Two. Three. Four. Five. Six. And the Christian gets up again. He's going to carry on fighting because that Christian's not going to be knocked out by any devil or any demon. And so they carry on the fight. Look how he fights dirty. He knows some things about that Christian. He's going to accuse him. He's going to pull him down. And then suddenly the old devil, he hits really below the belt. Vumph! And on the chin. Vumph! And the Christian goes down again. One. Two. Three. And a silence fills the room. And the devil turns to his supporters and with a sneer begins to laugh. <laughs> he's down and he's out. Until suddenly, into the room, the voice of the referee is heard. Eleven! Twelve! And the Christian gets up again. And the devil says to the referee, that's not fair. And the referee says, what do you know about what's fair? This is my child in whom I am well pleased. And I am going to lift him and lift him. Seven times? No. Seventy times seven. I will lift up that person so that he finishes the race because he who endures to the end shall be saved. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! You know what I'm saying? I'm saying, hey, don't tell me about the unfairness of life. Don't tell me about those things that happen that we wish wouldn't. Don't tell me about those times the old devil has a go and perhaps even sometimes you're knocked down. Yes, failure is not being knocked down. Failure is failing to get back up again. And I want to prophesy into the life of the church that you are going to be ones that know what it is to push in and push on and see the devil defeated, the kingdom of God come, and Jesus Christ glorified. Will someone give him a praise offering? Hallelujah! Will someone give him some praise? Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Well, who was the message for? It's for the person here who says, John, I want to be the kind of Christian that God can use. 
I want to be the kind of Christian that believes God, that doesn't give in, that is prepared to risk failure if need be, but is going to so dedicate myself to the cause of seeing his kingdom come in this place of Cambridge and through this church, that at this induction service, no, it's not just your dedication afresh. I call upon those of you who are a part of this assembly and this church to say, oh God, by your grace, we will stand with this couple and we will be the kind of Christian that he can use. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.